congrats. You've made it to the second episode of To Infinity, where we talk about so many different things. And today we have one of my friends from Twitter, Justin, coming on. He is at Ghost Host Justin on Twitter. He's part of the Mill Twitter community, which, if you don't know what Mill Twitter is, it is a space on Twitter where military types, both active duty, reservists, and some civilians, get together to talk about things, many times argue about pointless shit, and uh, there seems to be drama all the time. However, Justin is a shining light in that community. He also is very interested in hockey and punk rock, which is something uh, that I truly love, both of them. He also has a wonderful family, and he talks about kind of dad life and some life advice that I know personally I'll be taking into uh, whenever I have kids, whenever I convince some woman to uh, settle and marry me. So without further ado, I want to get into it. This is my friend, Justin. All right, welcome to Infinity with my friend, Justin. I know him from Twitter, specifically Mill Twitter, but I've soon come to know that uh, he's much more than just some army dude. Um, A lot of different interests that align with mine, but we just have to knock it out of the way. So I think I started following you before the pandemic. So I had Terrence on the other day as well. And I think I followed you guys around the same time, but you were like one of my first mill Twitter people. I actually enjoyed following. It wasn't just like a, a follow for follow thing. It was like, okay, this guy isn't just a fucking uniform. There's more to him. Um, yeah, well, I hope that's because I, uh, I don't ever talk about the military. I try, I try to not be that guy because it's the least interesting thing I think you could talk about. No, absolutely. I was going to say, I, I thought we shared kind of a similar, I wouldn't say vibe, but mentality with like the military and being on social media. Like, yes, a lot of people follow us because we're in the military and we're in this, a similar circle, but I don't feel like I talk really much about military and I, I don't feel like you do either. Like you chime in on things that aren't life or death, but I never see you really talking about doctrine, which I find incredibly fucking boring, super fucking annoying. So why would anyone want to talk about that? But then you bring really good views of it. Yeah. And it's funny because my job in the military is 100% doctrine. Uh, so I think that's part of why I I avoid getting into those debates on Twitter because it's like, I don't know. I don't feel like auto mechanics go home and talk to their family about (laughs) replacing a, you know, instead of breaks or whatever. So yeah, I think, uh, like the military is a um, commonality that a lot of us share, so a lot of our discussions will end up going there. But like when it you make it your personality or when it's all you talk about, you really kind of pigeonhole yourself as someone who's incredibly boring. Uh, yeah, <laughs> actually, so like, the counterpoint of that, something that annoys the absolute fuck out of me, by the way, you can curse as much as you want on this podcast if you do. If you don't, that's fine. But something that annoys the shit out of me are these people that are in like the mill Twitter space. Uh, many of them are anonymous, some are not, but they try to make themselves out like they're some kind of fucking like Rainbow Team Six or whatever that game is, some Tom Clancy movie. And it's like, dude, you're you're just a staff officer. You're, you're like me. Like you have good opinions, I suppose, and you post these things, but they try to make themselves out to be this crazy enigmatic personality, but it's like, you sit at a desk all day. And it's just, it's just weird. It's like people living two different lives on Twitter. Yeah, and I think that's insecurity, right? Like when most people who aren't in our community think about the military, that's who they think about. They think of, yeah. you know, the um, Chris Kyles or the, you know, God, I don't even want to reference some of these people because they're so... Mr. Boring, O'Neill? But like, yeah. <laughs> like the fucking, uh, 
Rob O'Neills of the world. Like they think of the dudes who are or and, and ladies, I suppose, uh, who are like kicking indoors and have the beard yeah. and like do all that shit. And so like there's insecurity there where people are like, well, I joined the military, but I'm a, a transportation officer or I'm a, like a you know a viewer. And it's like, well, why would you join the military and do that? Yeah, uh, I don't know. So, like, I feel like it's a lot of people trying to justify their existence in the military by being like, oh, yeah, well, I'm a staff officer, but <laughs> there was this one time, right? Um, uh, Back yeah, in Bullock? Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> that's what it is. Well, with that, then, I was going to say, one thing that really drew me to both you and Terrence is just keeping up with the following and actually being interested in life is, like, all the sections of Mill Twitter fuck with you. So, whether it's just the normal you know, run and gun, doctrine people, they mess with your content. People like me, I don't want to pigeonhole myself into a category, but I just think I'm just a touch grass, normal dude. I don't pretend like I'm doing anything crazy. And then you've got You're even the... Boy Twitter. Yes, yes, and, I, and I'm proud of it. Um, but, and the same thing I was telling Terrence, even the goons mess with you. Like those, very rarely do you get a person where everyone seems to at least mutually like them you may not like every single post but somehow you've managed to do that and i think you've accumulated what it's like 16 twitter accounts now and if you added them all together you'd have around a hundred thousand followers i think something around there yeah this is only four five i think it's my fifth account so yeah. so what's the story behind that because terrence and i also talked a little bit i've he's had one or he had one before the one his now jesus christ it's not even english I had one before the one I have now, and I deleted it because I thought my security investigation was going to go bananas on me because I was tweeting shit like if I, I would eat a girl out if she tasted like a cinnamon roll for a week and other stupid shit. I was in college. You know, my, my at was 50 shades of camo for a while. It was really fucking stupid. Wow. Yeah. But wow. so. Yeah, fuck boy Twitter. And I love it. Um, but so what's been the story? How did you finally end up on this account? What went on? Yeah, so uh, anybody who knows me knows I have a penchant for running my mouth. And that, that's, that's not just Twitter. I mean, I, I have grown up as someone who uh, speaks first and takes a punch in the face later. There you go. Um, I've, I've always been this way. So my first account, uh, so all of my accounts have gotten banned the same way. <laughs> I end up uh, pissing off. It's. I think it's always someone on the right. Like even though I do sort of cross the threshold into different groups of of Twitter, right? I do have friends who fall on either the left or right. Mm -hmm. uh, it's always the right I end up pissing off because I, I think part of it is because I'm so cool with so many of them that when I speak up for something that I believe in and, and values I hold, it really upsets a lot of people mm -hmm. uh, because they think, oh, he's one of the guys. Why is he saying something like this? And it's like, well, because. I'm, I'm not a fucking idiot. Yeah. Uh, so this most recent account, uh, was my last, my last account got banned because of Jack Prasovic and Christina Wong. Oh, um, gosh, Jack, Jack had gone after Terrence, uh, because Terrence had posted something about white men yeah. being the problem, uh, which was 100% accurate. Mm -hmm. Terrence wasn't wrong. Uh, he was, I retweeted it. Yeah. Something. Yeah, it was. It, he wasn't stating anything incorrect. He was saying like, you know, white men need to do better uh, because we are responsible for a lot of the issues with misogyny and racism and sexism. Like, yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, well, Jack Vasovic saw that, and it just so happened that when Jack Vasovic saw it, Terrence and I were out getting shit faced at a beachside bar eating tacos and drinking like two dollar Corona lights. Um, and like we posted a selfie together. Yeah. And Jack Vasovic retweeted it and tried to make fun of us. And there's nothing that I hate more than bullies, right? Yeah. Like, people like Jack Vasovic and that Josiah Lippincott dude and is he still uh, alive? Kurt Schrick. What's that? Is the Lippincott still... Is he alive? Uh, yeah, we, we can talk about that in a second. That's sure. A, that's a thing. Okay. Um, but, like, I hate those people that try to use their privilege. I don't even want to say privilege, but their, their status in life as a cudgel to, like, knock down other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I'm not as big as you, but I'm bigger than most of these dudes. I'm stronger than most of these dudes. I've had... My God, you're so hot. Uh, I've had a more successful military career than some of these dudes. I will fuck most of these dudes up, and I have no problem telling them that. Yeah. Like, I have uh, a big mouth, and I use that mouth, and I can back it up. And when I do that, it, yeah, I, like, one of my accounts got banned because I told some old guy I was going to break his fucking hip. Yeah. Uh, it, it was Which he could do that any other day of the week anyways. It's not like you're the problem. No, yeah. I mean, yeah. So, like, I don't know. I just run my mouth, and I don't have a problem telling people what I'll do yeah. if they really want to step up. Well, let's pause there really so. quick because I feel like I've tweeted this before, and I just want to tweet it every single day. I know I know, me tweeting something into the world isn't going to change anything, but I really wish you could beat the shit out of someone over the internet. Like, you play hockey, and we're getting to that, so don't divulge too much, but one of my favorite parts of hockey is the fact that you can fight. And I boxed in college a little bit. I boxed a little after college. Um, I'm not saying I'm a street fighter, but, like, I can box just fine. And I'm not a big dude, but I'm bigger than, I guess, an average. Don't sell yourself short. Shut up. We'll say I'm bigger than the average person, right? And um, I have no problem, in my mind, beating the shit out of someone if if it's required. I'm I'm obviously not going to bully someone. But a lot of these people that tweet these stupid things, it's like, have you never had your jaw like smacked by somebody? No. Have you never no. gotten smacked on the butt by like your parents or like you ever had a belt or something? Nothing. They've always just been able to run their mouth and be able to say this and that. Like, um, you know what? We can just roll into it because fuck Posobiec, Kirk, Carlson, Christina Wong, Lippincott, all those people. I feel like I'm uh, Tupac right now. Like, fuck Biggie. Fuck Bad Boy Entertainment as a collective. Fuck you too. And uh, yeah, like that's how I feel about it. And Posobiec or whatever the fuck his name is, he's not a big dude. And I think he had like a three or four year military career and we've all made fun of him for basically being a UPL god. Um, But like if he said shit to me in person, like... He he quoted one of my pictures as well. It was it was a, actually a really good picture. I, I appreciated the the help. Um, but he was like trying to make fun of me, and I was like, dude, if we were in person right now, and I was in, in a military uniform and we were allowed to scrap, like you'd be in the hospital. And the only reason that you can say this is because you have 1.5. I, I hate to say sheep, but like million people that cannot think for themselves and for some reason think they're a patriot, which they're not. Um, and then, you know, you have the Charlie Kirks who have never had sex in their life without paying. Um, the Tucker Carlson's who... Oh, let's not denigrate, let's not denigrate sex workers. No, 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 no. It's not. I'm saying Charlie Kirk can't have consensual sex without monetary values being exchanged. Um, the Tucker Carlson's, all those things. It's just, it's wild. The 
with the social media age that we're in that these people can have such a platform but not face really any consequence. And I know you've had personal battles, so I'll just, if you have any vendettas, put them out. Yeah, so I, I want to say one thing and then I'll get into that. So the funny thing now it is, and it, it's different, like because now we're getting into the, like almost a safe age of the internet. Back in like 2006, 2007, the internet was a wild fucking west, right? <laughs> and there was this message board called the Bridge Nine message board. Shit, this might be even going back to 2004. Um, and it was really uh, centralized around like the Boston hardcore punk scene. Mm-hmm. And there was this kid on it, and I won't say his real name, uh, but he was running his mouth about another dude in the Boston hardcore scene thinking, oh, well, this is the internet. Like, I can say whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. No shit. Like, a week or two after, like, they got in their little brouhaha on, the, on this message board, this dude went to a show where the guy he was running his mouth to was at. Uh, the guy who was running his mouth, and I witnessed this, got picked up and suplexed through a merch table. Oh, running shit. And, like, so there was a time when the internet was less global and, like, a lot more regional where if you ran your mouth, you would get the shit kicked out of you. And it was fucking hilarious when it happened. Yeah. Um, In 2004, I was on Neopets, so I didn't see too much of that. Yeah, yeah. But, um... A, a, a Tamagotchi. Yeah. But I, I mess with it. I, I really do. Like, I, I wish... I, it's not that I have anything against Anon accounts, but they're usually the ones that are sometimes being the worst. And I wish you, like had to post your address when you tweeted or your real name or this or that. Like you can't, you can't really face any ramifications as an anon unless you're the main character of the day and people have been like researching, but it's just, I don't know, it's frustrating. But um, at the end of the day, same thing Terrence and I talked about kind of when we're near the end of the podcast, um, they're random strangers. They shouldn't be able to affect your day, even though plenty do. But at the end of the day, when you're thinking about like your life in totality, these people have no work on your life. They have no, no. stress. So I don't know. No. Um, but yeah, so you've gone against all these people. Um, and you mentioned Wong. Um, we're not going to go off personal attacks on here because I don't want to get canceled uh, again. But um, she, you know, and she's actually reached out to me and been cool in hindsight. So I, I, I don't agree with her writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, often, but I won't say that she's. I won't lump her in with a lot of these other people who like involve personal. I'll give her a little bit of credit because she might actually be a decent human with terrible politics. Yeah, that's where I was going with that. I was going to say I've actually had positive interactions with with Christina Wong, and that's where like it confused the hell out of me when I see some of the things she tweets and um, some of her opinions because I'm like, I thought you were like a super nice person, and maybe she is. Um, to some degrees, or not to some degree, to, to certain situations, but it's just the um, duality, I feel like, not of man, but of just the Twitter persona. Like, you've got to write stories, you've got to write articles, you have to get internet traction, and that's how you do it. You put out maybe some hot takes or some very uh, off-ball shit, and it's like, okay, well, yeah, now I'm, I've got four people mad at me, but 100 people just clicked on my news site, so. Yeah. And like, so that's, I think social media in a nutshell, and she's obviously doing it in the political realm, um, and, and that's her version of performative, but like, let's be honest, you and I do something similar uh, with our posting where like, I know you don't post about everything with your life. You focus on certain things that mm-hmm. you know will generate conversation and generate engagement. And I'm the same way, like, dude, I, 
I do so much more than like hockey, Disney, and like yeah, shit talking. Uh, not that much more, but like I focus on the things that I know are interesting and that I know are going to drive engagement because like nobody cares about if I ate Taco Bell for lunch, right? You know, like and like you post these thirst traps that drive the women wild, like uh, so. I think people will focus on certain things that they know work for them. So mm-hmm. for Christina, because she's a writer and because her her beat is the military, posting those kind of hot takes works for her. Whereas like I know a lot of my people follow me because they enjoy my, you know, shit talk talking yeah. stories. And women follow you because they want to lick honey off of your abs. <laughs> like so I think we all or at least the most interesting people on Twitter, um, do that. They they find a lane and they work within it because they know it's interesting. Um, yeah. And like the people who aren't interesting don't have followers because they post about shit nobody cares about. Yeah, and I was actually hoping it kind of circled to that area because one of the reasons I brought up the multiple Twitter accounts is um, I actually spoke to my dad a little bit earlier uh, yesterday and we were talking about my uh, my current life crisis that I'm going through, My uh, my what is my purpose in life? I have no idea. And we can get into that if you want, but... Um, essentially we were talking about things that I'm really good at and things that I find passion about and um, all my life I wanted to be a comedian and uh, the sad realization is that I'm just not that funny um, I'm funny but am I comedian funny where I'm, I'm killing it on stage no and have I refined it no but I've always been an entertainer and so every social media platform I'm on any room that I'm in any area that I, I've really inhabited, I've always been able to not be the center of attention. I don't like it like that, but I've been able to bring energy and people have been able to gravitate towards that. And I think you have a very similar, I guess, aura or charismatic quality because if you have 38 accounts and they've all been huge, there's a reason for that because people want to keep following you. And I just think it's funny that you mentioned no one wants to hear about your Taco Bell because I see a lot of Twitter accounts that do tweet 30 times a day. And it's all stuff that have nothing to do with me or my interests or anything. That's why I don't follow them. But they're just there's a difference between our Twitters and people that are keeping a journal. And I just think it's interesting how there's just so many dynamics that people take, yet they're also consuming our media and they enjoy it. But it's like if you if you enjoy it like that, why don't you try to replicate it? But they don't. I don't know. I just think it's really interesting how people use their social media. Yeah, and like I won't speak for you. Uh, I'll certainly speak for myself. I think part of the reason that my social media accounts have been successful is because I'm incredibly insecure. Uh, and I could fully, like... Retweet. Yeah, retweet. <laughs> so I um, I think I've gotten good at it because over the years I've seen what's worked and I I thrive off that. Like I enjoy... See, you, you said you don't like being the center of attention. I will absolutely admit that I have always, since I was a little kid, I liked when the eyes are on me. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm at my best when uh, there's a crowd. It's part of the reason why I, I'm always like, hey, if you want to come to my hockey game next Friday, like, here it is. Like, because I enjoy that. Right. Uh, I, I, I don't want to say I get off on that because that's weird. Um, but I do, like, I like having that attention on me. I was in musicals in high school. I was in punk rock bands in high yeah. school. Like, I've always been the kind of person that uh, wants the attention on me. And I think over the years I've refined, like I know, I know what drives those eyes on me. Um, and that's why I've been successful in that regard. I, I absolutely attribute it to insecurity. Like I, if people aren't paying attention to me, that means I'm boring or I'm doing something wrong. So I found a way to make myself 
uh, interesting enough that people want to keep their eyes on me. And the insecurity doesn't go away, so I just get better and better at it. <laughs> That's an interesting mindset. I, I share very similar thoughts, too. Um, for me, I always think of myself as, like, the secondary character. I'm not, like, in the background. But, like, think of a movie, you know, and you've got the main character who will be you. But then you've got, like, a lovable secondary character who comes in with a few quips and, like, people, like, start standing and, like, making fan cams of them. And I'm like, okay, that could be me. You know, I don't, I don't want, like, all the attention, but just a little bit. You know, a thirst trap here and there, a little thigh, you know, you know how it goes. I'm, I'm wearing my Hoochie Daddy shorts right now just as a confidence factor. No one can see it. It's just confidence. Um, but speaking of that, so I want to get into it because you brought it up. And punk rock, I think that was one of my most interesting finds that you liked. So obviously people like punk rock, but they kind of forget about it as they get a little older. And we're not old, but we're certainly not 20. No, I, you are not old. I am old. I am going to be 40 in like three months. I am old. No, uh, you're not. I, I promise. Okay. We're, I, I feel... We're not in the same high school graduating class area, but I feel like in stages of life, similar, not exactly close, but similar. I feel like a lot of people lose that punk to them and they transition to maybe just regular rock or pop or this or that. Um, and it's always fun finding people that actually appreciate punk rock, um, but like punk punk rock, not MGK and things like that. Um, and so what has been your process of not just enjoying the music that you've grown up with, but finding new music. Because I'm starting to find, I do not find new music as much as I used to, because I'm like, no, I've already got 16 playlists of fucking bangers. So do you find yourself going through that, or do you try your best to find new music, and even though they're 21 years old and you can't relate? Um, I mean, it's... So the weird thing is, right, so I've been... I've been actively involved in like punk and hardcore since I was 13, 14 years old, whether it was in bands, booking bands, uh, running support for bands. Like when I came home from my first overseas deployment, uh, I went on tour for two months with my best friend's band and roadie for them. Uh, and like yeah. I sold poetry zines to like buy beer money or not buy beer money, but to like earn beer money for myself. Um, but like the weird thing about the generation of music that I come from and I came from is the bands that I loved growing up haven't stopped yet yeah like uh so one of the most influential bands when i was growing up uh was bane which is this like awesome boston hardcore band positive hardcore they were straight edge hardcore um and they like just released their last record like four or five years ago hmm. um and like i discovered them when i was I, I didn't discover them but i was first introduced to them when i was like 17 in high school um there's another band oh god who is it i can't pull up my finger now but, uh, oh, The Wonder Years. Yeah. I've been listening to it for, like, 15 years. And they're writing... So when I first started listening to them, like, they were writing songs about, like, being on tour and having trouble finding girls. And, like, that was that was me at 25 years old. And they are releasing a new record, and one of the songs about his kids. Mm -hmm. And, like, it could be about my kids. So I haven't had to try to find new music because a lot of the bands I love and a lot of the people that I've musically for you know 15 20 30 years are still active um chuck reagan and tim barry who were in two of like the greatest punk bands when i was growing up hot water music and a bail are now solo acoustic artists writing like americana country music um that i still relate to and that i still like really vibe with it's like the so, guy from stained or whatever i think he went on to do like some some country 
folk stuff yeah. after his stuff. Yeah. So a lot, a lot of these people, you just follow them and you follow the threads that they've created with either new bands or bands they've influenced. And that's sort of how I've kept uh, up to date. And it's funny, my best friend and I, uh, who he was a big hardcore punk kid, so too. Like, and I don't know uh, if you had this experience, but like growing up, I remember driving around in my grandparents' car and them listening to the Beach Boys, and me being like, "Oh, this is really cool. Like, I, I fuck with this, but like, this is old time music." Yeah. And like knowing that it was old music, like I wonder if my daughter is sitting in the back seat of my car as I'm like screaming along to American Nightmare, the Hope Cotton being like, "God, that's so old." And it's like I hope I hope I don't give that vibe. Like I hope it's still fresh for her that like she's hearing these bands and I'm like, "Oh, cool, that fuck with good music," and not, "Oh man, this old man is fucking lame." Yeah, my so my parents divorced when I was like a couple months old, um, and they have very diverse music tastes. My mom is really into like the pop, Backstreet Boys, and seeing Shania Twain, country type deals, and my dad was really into rap and rock. Um, so I got a really diverse background because I was always with different parents and sets, but I really resonated with my dad's side the most because he was always playing ACDC and Queen and things like that. Um, and he would even throw in some Nirvana a little bit. And then, uh, you know, as, a, as time went on, the Foo Fighters. But he also fucked with Tupac and Biggie. And we listened to a lot of Snoop and just a lot of different artists. Um, and so I was really into that space. But my coming to Jesus moment was uh, my freshman year of high school, my cousin Daniel. Um, as a sophomore, he was like one of the coolest kids in high school, which I feel like is damn near impossible, but it was legit true. Um, but he picked me up in this really beat down truck that he had a really good system in um you know high school who cares about the car we just got to make sure the sounds good and he's smoking weed um he we'll just say he is uh you know we'll just we'll go with that um and he picks me up and the first song that comes on is still fly the cover from the devil wears prada and i didn't know how to react because when i heard it i was like i know this rap song but this music doesn't match, but it does. Like it, it literally crawled into my soul, and I was like, "This, whoa, this is my shit. What is this?" And that was my introduction to like the hardcore scene. Um, and I know Devil Wears Prada is like a, a Christian band too, but at that point, I was like, "Yo, this shit's crazy." And I started getting into punk goes pop because uh, you know I knew all the pop songs, but then I was like, "Wait, hold on, this new style is amazing." And it literally just like I, I was obsessed with it. It I, we started a band. And I sang, I, I didn't play much guitar, I uh, pretended to. Um, but yeah, it was, it was in my veins at that point. Um, and a lot of those bands, now I'm seeing at festivals that I go to, or like Sad Summer Tour, and that was, I mean, that started in 2008. And um, yeah. I, it, it's just fascinating that they can still go. I mean, there's still angst in their voice. It still makes me feel like I'm, you know, 16, going through everything. Um, it's just wild. Like, how, how can you keep that energy? And what I was going to do is I was going to recommend a, a book to you. Um, okay. It's The Storyteller by Dave Grohl. And oh, it's okay. probably one of my favorite books I've ever read because it takes you from his time in Virginia, which we both have experience in D.C. Um, he, he, I think it was, uh, it was by Fort Belvoir, um, where he's from. But anyways, a lot of the stuff he referenced, I knew about, I've seen, I've driven by. And then he goes into his time with Nirvana, and then he goes into his time of Foo Fighters, and he talks really about uh, just the beginning of punk and everything. Um, and I think you'd find it really interesting because I, I couldn't put the book down. 
and I, I think I finished it in like two days. So that's something to maybe add to your Amazon wish list. Yeah, even though reading's for nerds, sure. Audiobook? Oh, dude, I am, I am very anti-reading. Okay, okay. Um, uh, it, but, it's, but it's purely reactionary, and it's, it's definitely performative, because everybody I know Twitter's like, oh, if you don't read, you're not a real reader. I'm like, I don't read that. I, I will refuse to read yeah. just to prove that you're an idiot. Well, I, I don't agree with that. Not what you said, what they said. Like, I read memoirs of comedians and musicians, and I read yeah. a bunch of like self-improvement books. I've never once read a leadership book. Like I've never read Simon Sinek. I've never read like Last Firefighter or this or that. Like to me, I don't give a fuck. Like I'm, it's 2022. I'm already a decent leader. I'm not a great leader, but I'm a decent leader. What is Simon Sinek going to tell me that isn't just purely motivational, inspirational? There's no like breakthrough that's going to help me. You need to eat last. That, that's the whole point of that book is that if you're not the last person eating in line, you're a bad reader. All right. Well, the food oh, will be that's, cold. That's the whole book. Yeah. Well, yeah. whatever. So yeah. what I really wanted to get into, and this is the fun part. Yes. So yes. I did not grow up playing hockey. I did not grow up liking it. I didn't dislike it. I just didn't know much about it. I grew up in a fucking cornfield in Ohio. But my aunt brought me back a Colorado Avalanche uh, puck when she – because they lived in Denver throughout most of my childhood – and I was like, what's this? And she's like, oh, it's from hockey. And I was like, okay, cool, whatever. So I started playing rollerblade hockey, and I loved it. And so my cousin slashed me, and now I have a scar. You can't see it. I have a scar on my eyelid from getting slashed. And it literally looked like a James Bond movie because I was looking, and then all of a sudden everything just started being red. And I was like, all right, this is kind of crazy. But I fell in love with it. Um, and then I kind of took a hiatus in high school because we didn't have – really hockey. We had a hockey rink near us, but it was really mainly um, figure skating and things like that. Um, and then when I went to Bullock, I met my best friend, Preston, and he's a huge hockey fan. And then our group also had my friend Sean and Austin, and they loved hockey, and they played NHL all the time. So they played Chell every single night and hit on the sticks. And I started falling back in love with hockey, and now I'm a, a raging hockey addict. I love it. I go to games as much as I can. Um, I wear whoever's fucking sweater that I want to. They can go eat my ass if they don't feel comfortable about it. Um, but I'm what, still going to chirp you for wearing an Austin Matthews jersey, but go on. And that's fine. How's Boston's year going? Anyways, um, oh. so I, I want to hear about it all, man. How did you start? I'm assuming it's because Boston is a little better with the hockey scene, the Northeast. But how did you start? What did you grow up playing? I saw you play goalie the other night. I know you're typically, I think, like a, a center or a, a forward, but I want to hear it all. Uh, um, yeah, so my uncle, uh, so growing up, I was like you. I, was, I, I came from a broken home, uh, and I spent most of my childhood with my grandparents uh, because my mom had me when she was like 19. Nice. Uh, so she was, she was too busy being off, like trying to earn money and, um, you know, like start a life. Yeah. So I spent a lot of time with my grandparents. Uh, their youngest son, my uncle Rob, was a very successful high school hockey player. Uh, still holds the record for most points in a game for our local high school. Oh wow! Uh, so I grew up. I grew up at the rink. I was I was ice skating at three years old. I was in my first. Uh, they called it mites back then, but now it's like instructional league hockey. I, I've heard of mites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I mean, I literally, if I was walking and running, I was ice skating. I played 
uh, my entire life up until high school. And in high school, I went to one of the best high school hockey programs in the country. I went to Buck St. Charles Academy. Um, I played hockey there. And when I graduated high school, I went to UMaine uh, to walk on the team at UMaine, which back then UMaine was a powerhouse program. Yeah. And I never actually got to play with them, but I, I did end up walking on the team. And then, uh, like most young 18-year-old men in college, I focused way too much on uh, pussy and alcohol and drugs. And yeah, I built that after my first semester. Uh, so joined the Marine Corps because that was right around the time of the planes hitting the towers. And yeah. I was like, well... I'm a college dropout, I'm addicted to drugs, and I'm a massive alcoholic. I should probably do something with my life if I don't kill myself first. Yeah. Um, so I didn't play hockey for like, shit, almost 10 years, because I joined the Marine Corps, I got busy, I you know, deployed, I did all, all these other things. They don't have ranks in um, Afghanistan? Oh, they do. Actually, oh, really? There is a, there's a four, <laughs> and so the Canadians, God bless them, uh, in Kandahar created a four hockey rank. Really? And they wow. had lockers, and there were like teams, and yeah, yeah. Okay. Pretty, it was pretty legit. I thought I was being facetious here. That's dope. No, yeah, the Canadians had a, a legit four hockey rink, or a street hockey rink in Kandahar. Um, but like hockey was, all of my best friends that I still have growing up were hockey teammates. Um, I got to travel to Canada a bunch of times, which for you know a seven or eight year old kid was super rad to go yeah. and play tournaments in Canada. Uh, and so. Probably around, it was right around when I started, I started being married to my wife, so probably 10 or 11 years ago, a buddy of mine from the Marine Corps was like, hey, uh, we got a team, we, we, we need skaters, do you still play? And I was like, because I knew him in high school too. I was like, uh, no, but I'll come out and skate with you guys. And like the second I stepped back in the ice, I was like, fuck, I've been missing out. Yeah. And so I got, I got super back into it, playing, you know, beer league, playing competitive, uh, like semi-pro leagues out in Massachusetts. And actually next month, less than a month now, I'm going to Paris and Denmark. I got invited to skate. So I, the biggest program that I'm a part of now is the USA Hockey Disabled uh, Veteran Hockey Program. Okay. And it's all over the United States. I think there's something like 30 teams now all over the U.S. And, and they put together an all-star team to skate. Uh, in a tournament in Denmark with the Denmark military team, the German military team. So I'm going out and doing that. And Dude, that's fucking, fucking sick. Awesome. Yeah, I'm super stoked. I'm bringing the wife and kid out there because I've never been to Paris or Denmark before. So we're turning into a family vacation, and I, I hope we're going to fuck up some, some Dutch dudes. Hell yeah. Let me know if you need any help. I'm actually on my 11th day of Duolingo learning French. Uh, so, okay. you know, so, uh, I know what a cat is. Uh, chat is cat. Yep, Shad is cat. The femme is the girl. Yep. You're doing great. Yep. That I don't want to brag, but I'm, I'm on the way. So You're crushing it. Yeah. So uh, what? you played goalie the other night, but I know primarily you – I don't think you're on defense. What do you normally play? So growing up, uh, I hit my growth spurt super young. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like I was the height I am now when I was like 10. Uh, Hell so yeah. I played defense growing up because I could just pound people, right? I could – I yeah, absolutely, dude. And that was like I grew up loving Cam Neely and like Peter Forsberg, mm-hmm. so I've always and because I run my mouth, it works out perfectly. But I've always been like that shithead on the edge running people. Um, and then everybody started getting as big as me or bigger than me. Yeah. And you know it's really hard when you're five nine, 165 pounds to hit these kids that are you know six foot one, two ten. So I had to develop a little bit of hands and a little bit of skill, and I moved over to center. And I've been a center now for most of my adult life. Um, but yeah, so like when I was growing up, 
being poor, like I always wanted to play goalie because goalie looks fun as shit. Yeah. But when you're you can't play goalie when you're poor because like the equipment is massively expensive. Uh, and a couple months ago, I was like, wait, I'm not poor anymore. I've got some extra spending money. I should try goalie. Yeah. So I dropped a couple grand, got a bunch of hockey equipment, uh, and now I play goalie terribly. Last Hell yeah. I gave up nine goals. How's the flexibility though? Awful. I had hip surgery like two years ago, Ooh. so I have no hip mobility at all. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's not going great. So not to uh, one up your hockey career, but uh, I do have not one great story. So I had never um, ice skated until I visited California pretty regularly, which is not intuitive, you would think. But my best friend Preston, I would go visit him pretty often. I'm actually going back to LA in a couple weeks. But anyways, um, he didn't tell me what to wear with my on my blades. So I was wearing my Vans, and you know what you wear in Vans? The low-cut yeah. skinny socks. And so I was skating around, and now I have Jesus scars because I have blisters like the size of a, a quarter on the inside of my uh, each foot. And um, those blisters didn't go away for like two weeks, but they're scars now, which I think is pretty dope because I'm not religious and I can just say they thought of me as like the second coming and decided I wasn't. Um, but anyways, that, that's, that's my experience in playing hockey. But I know for a fact I'm going to want my kids to play if I ever fucking have kids. Um, but that's what I was thinking. I was like, you know, if, if I'm going to start a kid in hockey, I'd want them to play forward just so they could have the stick skills and the skating to be able to play whatever they need to. And then if they grow into a bigger body, which I really hope future wifey's like 5'10", you know, I'll, I'll, I'll shoot up, but I want them to be tall. Um, I'll sacrifice my own ego. But, you know, if they grow into a bigger body, they can play center defense or something like that. I don't think I'm going to birth a goalie because those kids are six foot five now. But I always thought that's probably the best move. They're also, move. like, fucking crazy. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, for your kids, do you anticipate – are they in sports yet? I don't actually know how old your kids are, and you don't have to divulge that if that's, you know, private for you. But do you plan on having them play hockey? And, like, what are your thoughts on position-wise and, and what are you going to do with them? So here's what I will say. Uh, no matter what you want your kid to do, they won't do it unless they want to do it. Oh, right, uh, yeah. So, Hypothetically, yeah, yeah. in this situation, um, your kid loves hockey and wants to play. Okay, okay. Uh, if that were the case. My, my, my daughter is eight, and uh, so my, my wife played uh, competitive softball throughout high school. She was a great athlete. I obviously played hockey. I am a decent athlete. Mm -hmm. uh, our daughter does not have a competitive bone in her body. Mm. She is like... She would much rather not be the peacemaker, but she's more like, no, 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 like everybody just chill. Like we're, we're cool here. She'd be a good referee. Um, yeah. Like, and so she plays soccer now, um, but she like absolutely would rather just pass it to her friends and let her friends get the goal. She yeah. doesn't really care about her, but she's just like, yeah, whatever. That's kind. So, uh, yeah. But in a world where you had uh, your little six foot two mini Alex with your D1 wife, um, what I would say is, and the Russians had this right, right? When the, the Russians <laughs> were dominating hockey, they said the biggest issue with American hockey is we're too focused on drills and positioning. Mm -hmm. And we're not allowing our kids to just play and yeah. like learn, oh, if I do this, uh, this is what will happen, right? Sort of like the military where we're so focused on doing the right thing that there's no room for failure. 
hockey for the longest time was the same way. It's like, no, this is how you conduct a breakout. This is how you do this. Um, so I would say, so what USA Hockey is doing now is kids don't play positions. When you're a young kid, it's three on three hockey, and yeah. you just flow, and then it moves to four and four. So don't focus on position, like focus on your kid loving the game. Because the people that I know that are still successful in hockey and still like hockey are the ones whose parents push them to get better, but didn't push them, didn't force them to love it. Yeah. Right. Like you have to love hockey. Because hockey is a brutal, hard sport when you're young. Practices are five in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know it's fucking cold like i remember playing in outdoor rinks when i was a kid and like it sucks and if you don't love the sport it's just not going to happen for you so like the biggest thing is is alex dad and and d1 wife is make sure your kid just loves the sport and the position will come to him yeah you know or her if it's a a female because there are some female hockey players now that are just unbelievable oh they're sick i've seen some of their stuff on espn and they would run circles around me easily oh yeah uh, Christy, Christy Lamoureux, I can't remember her last name, and then Phil Kessel's sister, Amanda Kessel. Mm-hmm. Like, I watched them play, and they're just nasty. I mean, they're so good. Yeah. And it makes me mad, because my daughter has the coordination where if she gave a single fuck about hockey, she'd be good at it. She did, I gotta tell a quick story, she roasted the fuck out of me the other night. So, me playing goalie is like a big deal in the house. I like talking about it, because I think it's hilarious. Yeah. And we had a game the other night. And I, I asked my wife, who never comes to hockey, I was like, oh, you should come to this game. It's an early game. Bring Ella, like, watch me play goalie. She's like, yeah, okay. So they showed up. They watched the game. I didn't have a bad game. I, I gave up four goals, and we lost, but whatever. Yeah. Next night, we're eating dinner. And I'm like, oh, hey, by the way, I got asked to play goalie for another team tomorrow night, so I'm, uh, I'm going to go to the game of practice. And my daughter turns to me, and she goes, Dad, but why? You're so bad at it. Oh, man. It's like, oh, my God. Like, was I really that bad? She you kept falling down. Like, oh, my gosh. Down. Yeah, she, she – dude, kids are honest, man. And she, she nailed me. She got me. Well, you can yeah. punish her or something. Go two weeks without the Game Boy or something. I don't know. Yeah. I'll I, never punish honesty. I can't. I can't that's true. Right. It's actually really – It's interesting, though, the mindset that you had for teaching kids because – as you were saying that, I was thinking back on how my dad trained me. So I, baseball was my sport, and I was pretty good at it. I had a really strong arm, um, and I was just good. Um, but I always play, I always played catcher, and that's what my dad wanted me to play because it was the best way to get a scholarship to college and the best way to get drafted. Um, and I liked it because I was starting, and you know I got to be involved every play. Um, but then it just got like monotonic because I had played catcher for 12 years. And it wasn't until um, really my senior year of high school when I moved into my grandparents' place uh, due to some family stuff. Um, and all of a sudden, next thing I know, I'm the starting shortstop for my new high school. And I played center field. And I loved it. I was like, this is so much better. This is what I was meant to be doing. I like it more. My legs aren't fucking tired all the time now. Um, and it's it just interesting because I never really had too much experience playing other positions throughout childhood. And I'm not blaming my dad for that. I'm, we found a position that I was getting like, you know, selected from all-star teams getting calls. So it was obviously, you know, worked. But it's interesting. I think when I have kids, I'll definitely probably go that route that you were talking about, just letting them play and whatever the fuck they want to do, they can do. And then, you know, maybe around high school, 
maybe focus in a little bit more, but yeah. Yeah, and when they're young, so like my daughter has started and quit so many things because like little kids don't know what the fuck they want, man. Like yeah, she did horseback riding for like a year and a half, and we came to the conclusion, and we weren't wrong, that she didn't actually care about riding horses. She just loved her instructor, who was like a thirteen-year-old girl, and just wanted like a social hour with her horseback riding coach. Yeah, and like if we had been those kind of parents that would have forced her into it. She would have like she would have kept doing it, but she wouldn't have gotten anything out of it. So when she was like, "I don't really want to do this anymore," yeah, like, all right, well, you can't do nothing. You have to pick something, right? Um, and then she's like, "Well, I'll try soccer," and like she likes it. And if she tells us she wants to quit soccer and try something else, it's fine because like, oh, I don't know, you can't force kids to do shit. Uh, like you know, once they get into high school, they've been playing. You know, she plays soccer all throughout elementary school and soccer. She's so good at it. Then it may be like, oh, right, well, we need to focus on. You know, do you have a future doing this, or do you just want to play for fun? Um, you know, at that level, maybe you, you take it a little more seriously. But when they're like young, man, fuck it, like, just let them explore, find out what they love, find out what they're good at, right? Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. So we've been going for quite a while. So I've got a few more things that I want to hit on that I wanted to make sure I talked to you about, and I'm sure I'll have you yeah. on again at some point too. But we got to hit the main right. things. So. I think one thing that people get drawn towards you is the fact that you have luscious, flowing lettuce. And for those who don't understand what lettuce is, it's flowing hair that is just in wind when it just you know when it blows just right. You look a little like a reformed Fabio, you know. Yes. And yes. Uh, people, <laughs> people like me, who are thinning a little bit, are very envious because the hair looks great. So. People want to know, what's the secret, man? What's the secret? Uh, genetics. Genetics and I don't ever wash my hair. Okay. The not washing hair concerns me, but the genetics, I'll start talking with Elon Musk about how to work that in for my kids. Yes. Um, okay. And then the next thing. That, it's back, it's back, so it, it strips your hair of its natural oils. Uh, so when you, so like after a hockey game, I'll wash it because like then it's gross. Yeah. But during the week, I don't wash my hair because just like your body, right? You're not supposed to use soap every time you shower unless you're right. dirty because it strips away your body's natural ability to clean itself, keep it fresh, keep it healthy. So you don't wash your hair and it, it or when you do wash your hair, it strips it of all the oils. That's when you get dry hair. That's when you get damaged hair. That's when it loses that shine. So if you just don't wash your hair, but you, you rinse it out and mm -hmm. you, get, you, know, you do whatever. Um, and then just wash it when it's like actually dirty. I think the quote that I'm going to put out on Twitter is Justin said to only shower and wash your hair once a week um, for yeah, optimal that's, performance. That's the money quote, yes. So, okay, the next thing that I want to hit is lifting, man. So, um, I've been lifting for a long time, and I know you have too, but I think you've made extreme uh, leaps and bounds over the last few years. Um, and that's just for me following you, but based on what you showed me of where you started and where you're at now, it's awesome. And I, you know, I thought you were closer to my age. Um, so it's even more impressive that you're doing it where some people begin to fall off. You know, they think, oh, well, I'm past 30. Now I'm not going to hit the gym. I'm not going to exercise. And I know some of it probably has to do with like staying in shape a little bit for military, but I'm assuming a lot of it's, you know, staying in shape for your daughter and then just being able to rock some hoochie daddy shorts and not feel like, you can't, you know, take your shirt off or something like that. So yeah. one, uh, just it's very admirable that you're killing it still. And two, what has that journey been like? Because I know you said you've deployed multiple times. You've done a lot of different things in the military. I'm sure it wasn't easy on your body. 
And why did you decide to, to really kick it up a notch in the last few years? Uh, so we mentioned earlier about my insecurity. Mm -hmm. So um, when my, my wife gave birth to my daughter, uh, and like years after that, I, I will not lie, I got lazy. Um, and I, I did develop a bit of a beer gut, candy gut, whatever. <laughs> and so like three years ago, uh, my wife and I went and visited my best friend and his wife down in, in Virginia Beach. And my wife had a big crush on my best friend when we were in high school. Mm. Uh, she ended up marrying me. Okay, but there good was move. a time in our life where she had a crush on my best friend. And he is a Navy officer, super into weightlifting. Like he, he looks not as strong as you, but he, if he took his shirt off and you took your shirt off and you guys looked at each other, you both like, dude, nice. Um, <laughs> and so she hugged him and she said, and I wish I could replicate the tone in her voice because it's a tone that every man knows when a, a, a girl is like, ooh. She goes, oh, TR, you feel really strong. And oh yeah, instant instant insecurity, mm -hmm. instant, not jealousy. Like, I wasn't jealous of him, but I was like, well, I, I, I want her to say that when she hugs me. Yeah. I, I, this is, and this is not like a bit, this is a true story. I was so jealous with how I felt when she hugged him and thought that he was strong that like a week later I was like, so, uh, best friend, what are, what are you doing to work out? Like, what is your thing? And I copied it. Exactly. Fuck and I yeah. did everything that he was doing. Uh, and that was my motivation to like get in shape is that I wanted my wife to think I would felt strong when she hugged me. Uh, so it went from that into... Uh, like a year and a half after that, we were going to Hawaii for our 10 year wedding anniversary. And I was like, well, I'm going to be in Hawaii. I'm going to be taking my shirt off a lot. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't want to look at the pictures in like 20 years from now. and be like, Oh, that was a soggy piece of shit. Yeah. So I was like, well, I gotta, I gotta look good for Hawaii. So I got heavily into steroids. I mean, I got really into my diet mm -hmm. and, and, uh, working out, uh, and not taking SARMs. Yeah. And it worked out great. And so now it's just become like a habit and it's just something I do now. Yeah. No, it's funny you yeah. say that you you didn't use steroids because I have I have never thought about it um, personally no. uh, whatsoever. Um, and one thing that I certainly haven't done is uh, reach out and have a doctor's appointment um, to check the T levels because I, I think no. only, only pansies, only cop ounce would really go maybe get some TRT. Mm. Um, you know, and I certainly haven't scheduled something like that um but you know if i did if i did it's because you know i i made it through cancer and i lost a nut so that means i only have half the t-cells right like that's that's what i'm thinking yeah. um that's no that, that's that's I, hey listen man you are just trying to level the playing field with those of us that are by nut you yeah and you know what i feel tired a lot and <laughs> i need too. the sexual drive to be depressed. higher uh you know yeah. and steroids would help and i'm already losing my hair so like you know, why not fucking just go full send, you know, if I was like that. If, yeah, it's funny because your last episode you had Terrence on whose who's Twitter profile is a low T cuck that a boy. <laughs> yeah. The world here being like, okay, but for real, let's talk about steroids for a second. <laughs> well, you know, if, if I was into that, I think it's a, a power move. If you can do it in a regulated sense, like my coach does steroids and he looks amazing and he doesn't go overboard. Um, you know, he, he does exactly what he needs to do and he cycles on and off. What I, I don't know his personal schedule, but he does it correctly and he's got 
a very great thick head of hair, and I'm pretty sure he gets laid pretty often. Um, so I don't think it's really affected his life in a negative sense, only positive. So for me, thinking that, I'm like, I could use some of that. So, you know, I respect the, the drive. Yeah, I mean, dude, if, whatever. You only live once, right? Like, yeah, if, if you did do not? it, let's say you did do it, um, did you stop for any reason, or would you have – if you did do it, did you continue? I think if I did do it, I would have stopped uh, once I hit the point where uh, I felt strong. I felt like the big thing for me was sort of getting over the initial plateau of like, because like when you first start working out after you haven't worked out mm -hmm. for years, you like gain muscle quick because yeah. your body's like, whoa. And then you hit a plateau and you get frustrated because you're like, man, the first like three or four months, I was really seeing gains, but now. I'm not. Um, and so you use, if you were to use it, I think you would use it to sort of get over that plateau yeah. and get to a point where I, I will never be like you body-wise. One, because I, I am 39. I, I, I've got bad hips. Um, You've also got a little but, bit more of a, a life than I do uh, as far as well, time management and stuff goes. So there's that. Yeah. So I think I, if I were ever to do it, I would have gotten to a point where I could take pictures of Hawaii and look really good. And then after that, just like focus on maintaining and just like keeping my strength up. Like I'm still trying to get better at lifts, but at this point it's not strength anymore for me. It's technique. Like I'm really yeah. focusing on technique now uh, versus just like, oh, I throw a big heavy weight because like I don't, I don't need to like blow my back out. I need someone to blow my back out. Wait, is that how you use the phrase? Anyway. Um, <laughs> So yeah, if I were to do it, I think I would have done it until I got to a point where I could take good pictures for Hawaii and then I would have stopped. Yeah, no, I actually agree with the technique part. Um, so it, by the way, if it's getting too late, just let me know. But um, yeah. I recently switched from low bar to high bar squat and that has been humbling as fuck because low bar, I was getting to the point where I could do 315 to like 365 for like eight or so. I mean, I would be pushing, but I could do it and I could touch 405. Um, and then I moved to high bar and used strict, really good form and had like a decline going, um, or I'm sorry, had a good deficit going. I struggle with 275 for like six and it's, and it's been like a mental hurdle for me cause it's, you're used to throwing up this crazy weight and same thing goes for like deadlift. Like I will not really touch above 405 anymore. And, and that's 405 is for me, like if I'm feeling like a fucking rock star and I don't, I don't really one rep max anymore. Um, and ever since like I fractured my back, like all these things matter more to me on doing it a strict technique and having the right timing on the lifts. And I think a lot of people, uh, never really grow out of kind of the ego lifting and that's how they end up going down a bad path once they hit, you know, the 30 age range because they get some kind of injury or they have some kind of obstacle and all of a sudden now they've lost their motivation. Oh, well now I've got this bum hip. Now I've got this bum shoulder, you know, this or that. Um, and it's just really interesting that you've been able to keep that up though. Like I, I knew you said you have some hip stuff and I'm sure accumulation of military career, but it's, I think it's awesome that you're at least able to perform what you need to perform still at a high level, I would say. And, and that, it kind of gives me hope that I'll be able to push forward as well. Yeah, and the big thing is, like, I was never, like, aside from a one-year period when I deployed with the Marine Corps, like, I've never been big into lifting, because in hockey, like, 
it's not like football or even baseball where like you need to be big to be successful. Mm-hmm. Like hockey's more fast twitch and explosive muscles versus like just being a meathead. So I mean, you look at Phil Kessel, who is like one of the greatest scorers in NHL history, and the dude just eats hot dogs and has a massive gut. Yeah, uh, but it's Babe Ruth. Unreal. Yeah, right. But like Babe Ruth was playing against like plumbers who had jobs during the week and just play baseball. Phil Kessel is making like eight million dollars a year and is one of the best athletes, not athletes, one of the best hockey playing goal scorers on the planet. So like, I never had to focus on it. So a lot of this is new for me. So I haven't burned myself out on it yet. Um, but also like, I don't, and again, Twitter performative content, right? I don't make it a focal point of my life. I go to the gym when I can, I work out when I can, I, I work out hard when I can, but like, it's such a minor part of my life that I don't burn myself out. Of. Yeah, no, I, I love that. Um, so the last thing that I had on the docket, and then I'm going to open it up time for you to just talk about whatever the hell you want to, but the dad swag, man, I don't even think it's dad swag. I think it's just staying hip, if you will. Like, Another thing like lifting, people hit this 30 range and for some reason all of a sudden their knowledge of how to just dress like a normal fucking human evaporates and they start, you know, wearing like the new balances and the cargo pants or not cargo pants, like the denim cargo shorts and the stupid shit. And look, I'm not the fashion police, but it just looks silly. It's, you know, that dad fashion. But I've seen you post recently about, uh, you know, fashion advice and then I know you've rocked some pretty good outfits in the past and it's just interesting to me that you're able to keep up um not not that you're able to keep up it's that you continue to rather than fall in this trap of like oh well I'm a dad now like I'm just gonna wear whatever the fuck dads are supposed to wear blah blah blah. no you fucking like you bring some swag to it I'm sure your daughter thinks it's cool I'm sure your wife appreciates it so you're not looking like a fucking scrub like was there ever a point where you were thinking about just saying fuck it and dressing like a complete dad or were you always just like no i'm me and i'm gonna continue being me no i i no i am again way too insecure to not (laughs) care about what i wear um and like the thing is is i'm not i don't think i'm trying to follow trends like i feel like i am comfortable enough with who i am that i know i can wear whatever i want within reason and make it look good yeah um but i'm all like I feel like what you're talking about is dudes who just quit. Yeah. It's not about following trends or it's not about like staying up to date. It's just quitting and be like, fuck it. I've had these shorts for 10 years. I don't care. I'm just yeah. going to wear them because they're comfortable. And I like, that's all I care about. I still want to look good. Uh, again, because insecurity. So like I will wear nice things and I'll wear things that I know look good on me because I want to look good. Um, I don't care necessarily about fashion. I just care about, like, when I go out, I want people to notice me in a positive way. Yeah. And whether that's wearing, like, Hawaiian shirts all the time because they look good or wearing shorts that, like, uh, can you still hear me? Yeah. Okay, something weird happened on my phone. Uh, Or, like, wearing shorts that if they were, like, a half an inch shorter would be an indecency uh, crime. (laughs) Um, It's just, yeah, it's it's 100% rooted in insecurity and, like, wanting attention. No, I think that's dope. Um, I will say, to the people that can wear four-inch seam shorts, how? You know, I I'm not I'm not gonna say it out loud, but you know, like there's a point to being the hoochie daddy shorts, but also if they get too short, then you're gonna start asking questions. Like if you're wearing a three-inch inseam, where is it hiding, man? You know, or girl, whoever wants to wear it. 
But hey, it is what it is. You know, I wear one inch seams because it fits. <laughs> but other people, I have questions for. Um, but it, it did make me laugh though. I I love my dad. Um, we've we've had our ups and downs, but one of the funniest things is that he kind of did just stop giving a fuck. And so he'd wear basketball shorts and a polo work shirt. And it'd be like basketball shorts that were like navy blue and like a polo that was like maroon with like work socks and the the Air Monarchs. And I'm just like, dad, what the fuck are you wearing? And he's like, I don't know. I just kind of put it on. I'm like, imagine Adam Sandler's dressing if it didn't work. You know, and I'm just yeah. like, what? But that's the thing. So Adam Sandler can pull it off because he is comfortable enough to wear it. And if he doesn't quit, that's just his style. Yeah, but my dad's 6'3 and does computer software project management and consulting and stuff. So I'm just like, I don't know if you necessarily kind of can rock that. So for me, I'm like, all right, I'm not really trendy. I don't think I really jump on the trends. I, I dress very West Coast athleisure. And I found that I do just fine with it. And to me, I'm like, okay, does that mean that I've stopped caring? If I'm just wearing what I know I feel comfortable with? Or is it a good look that isn't necessarily trendy but doesn't say I've given up? And I think I'm somewhere on like the positive side of that. But for me, I'm like, what, where am I going to be in five years? Am I going to still be doing the same thing, these same vans? Are they going to be considered like – dad swag at that point are the monarchs going to be replaced by the vans i don't think so but I, I like that you're doing it when you're close to 40 because it's like okay now i have a goal for myself i'm not yeah. I, I got as soon as you give up that's the age and then i'll give myself however many years that is and then i'll give up at that point one day after you did that way i can say i beat you but after that there i'm good go. yeah no i i no vans will I mean, dude, Vans have been cool since I was in high school. Vans will never stop. You'll be fine. Especially with calf socks. All right, man. Yeah. I've literally taken up so many of your time. I'm just going to give the floor to you. If you have anything you want to say or just like some off-ball shit that you've always wanted to just put out to the world, now's your time. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I do want to tell people uh, how handsome you are because it's, it's just <laughs> – it's hard looking at you, man. It's like you post the pictures – and you always make like super serious faces when you're doing your like, look at how ripped I am with these short shorts that I, I just let, so casually rolled up on my thigh. Let like, me pause you there. Like, your face is, okay, the, those aren't serious faces. Those are me flexing so hard that that's the only face my face makes because I'm like, okay, okay, uh, I'll allow that. You've got a great smile. I mean, when you laugh, it just brightens. And I'm in a, 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 it brightens the room. Uh, um, no, I don't. So I think the only. So I was driving today, and me and my daughter went to get ice cream because uh, that's like. Oh, by the way, uh, so last summer was what was it? Last summer was the summer of sours, so sour beers, mm -hmm. right? Um, this summer is ice cream summer, hot boy ice cream summer. Yeah. yeah. So I have been eating ice cream. Lactose intolerant, but yeah. Oh, okay, cool. They, they, they make ice cream for people like you. Um, but, like, I've been getting ice cream a lot, and I think that's why my, my, my legs are getting so big because I just eat ice cream and lift. That should be a T-shirt. That should be a brand. So uh, I'm getting ice cream. Eat ice cream and lift, man. That's the brand. So uh, I'm going to get ice cream with my daughter tonight. 
And uh, as we're driving, we're going through my neighborhood, and I see this dog taking shit on the side of the road. Uh, and the, the owners, it's got, the dog's on a leash. The owner's there, and the owner's picking it up. And uh, as you're picking up, I'm like, this is really where we are now. Um, we're so like, my big thing is when I walk my dogs, if they shit in someone's yard, I'll pick it up. Yeah. If no one's there. Because <laughs> it's the right thing to do. <laughs> no one's there. But, but, here's the thing. If someone is out in their lawn, like the homeowner's out there, I will stare at them <laughs> while my dog is taking a shit and challenge them to tell me to pick up my dog because then I won't. Yeah. I'll do it if, I'll do it there. But if they're like super cool and they like just give me a little wave, I'll gladly pick it up. But I, I almost am looking for the confrontation that I, I want them to acknowledge that my dog is shitting in their yard and I am the alpha in that situation. You got to start dominance. And that's it. All right. Yeah. Plug that's your it. socials, man. To talk about yeah. Plug your socials. So your Twitter is Ghost Host Justin, right? Sure. I don't remember. Is it? I don't, okay. Plug what you do during your normal life, and I'll pull the Twitter up in a second. Uh, no, I don't want to talk about what I do in my normal life because I don't want to get my job threatened again because some fucking dork on the internet takes me making fun of him the wrong way. Okay, that's true. So your at is Ghost Host Justin on Twitter. That's a good one. I like that one. Yeah. That might be my favorite one I've had so far. Do you want to plug the Instagram? Do you have one? Too, no, too personal? Too many pictures of like my actual life on there. That would be weird. Imagine if someone you didn't know was just like, hey, your kid's really cute. Like, all right, fucking psycho. Yeah. When I'm on TikTok and people refer to my dogs as their dogs, like, oh, my butters is so sweet. I'm like, I don't know you. I don't know uh, who you yeah, are. Dude, oh, come on. You're, you're, first off, you're killing the TikTok game because you do this whole thing where you're like, oh, I'm... I'm so handsome, but so relatable. And you're like, let me tell you a story about this time I was dating. And like, you affect this voice that's just perfect for the platform. And you're like, hmm, oh, there's a little Jim Carrey there. I try, and, man. And I'm sure, yeah, I know you do. I know you do. All right, well, but, do yeah, I don't want people knowing my social life. That'd be terrible. That's awful. Well, Ghost Host Justin on Twitter. All uh, This will come out next Tuesday. So by this ha time, maybe we'll be canceled or something. But if not, Cool. We're here. Well, dude, I appreciate cool. your time. Uh, thank you very much. This yeah. has been really fun. Um, I'll have you on again, and when I do that, I'll, I'll crack a few trulies, and we'll talk about how uh, shit Boston is. So, Awesome. I look forward to it. <laughs> All right, man. I'll see you. All Peace. Right. Take care, man. Bye.